So I was sitting around a table recently when someone asked me what I was preaching on next. And when I responded, the third commandment, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, there was much conversation about who at the table uses the Lord's name in vain the most. (laughs) And then someone declared that one person at the table curses like a sailor but never uses the Lord's name in vain. And it was an interesting conversation, but I left it saying, is this really what's at the heart of this third commandment? In order to look deeper into what God may have intended for this commandment, we need to look at the context, both within the commandments and within history. This third commandment comes after acknowledging that the Lord is God alone and is to be the focus of our worship alone without any idols. And with this fresh on our lips or in our minds, this third commandment speaks to how to use the name of the one and only God. Wrongful use of the Lord's name is broader than cursing, as I'm fairly confident OMG or any other variation was not in the the Israelites' vocabulary. But as Jesus later tells us, the greatest commandment is to love God. And part of loving involves respecting and honoring. And when we casually use the Lord's name in response to something good or bad, this is taking the Lord's name in vain, but it isn't the only way to make wrongful use of the name. So as with most anything, we must first start by focusing on God to better understand the meaning behind this commandment. When God gifted the commandments to Moses, people were praying to all different types of gods. If they wanted to have children, they would pray to the God of fertility. And if they needed a good crop, they would pray to that God. So using various God's names was viewed more as maybe a magic trick that would hopefully result in the desired outcome. And through the Ten Commandments, God is teaching the Israelites how to live in community as God's people. And it's important to remember that God offers these commandments after bringing the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. This is just another example of what we hear spoken here in this sanctuary in various ways week after week. God always initiates. God always offers us grace first. So these commandments, they weren't offered in a way for the Israelites to earn God's favor, but as a gift to guide their way of living in response to God's grace given through freedom from bondage in Egypt. And with this commandment, God is focused more on what we do in God's name than what we do with God's name. We invoke the name of the Lord when we swear on a Bible in the name of God while taking an oath to tell the truth in a court of law. Or 
during a marriage vow when the couple covenants before God to keep their promise to love this person. We are, these are individual oaths, but remember, these commandments were given to the community. So as a congregation, we take an oath and make a vow in God's name each time we answer, we do, to the baptismal question. Do you as members of this church of Jesus Christ promise to guide and nurture this child by word and deed with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of this church? And then around the font, the pastor baptizes in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. These are some of the countless ways we can use the name of God as God intends, but there are also countless ways we can misuse the Lord's name. One common way of taking the Lord's name in vain happens when we misrepresent God to those around us. I know I knew someone a few years ago who suffered from clinical depression. And his condition was debilitating and affected all parts of life. But thankfully, he was open to receiving the gift of therapy and medication. But unfortunately, his family didn't view these gifts as gifts from God. And they instead told him that his depression would only disappear if he prayed harder in the name of Jesus. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Misrepresentation of the name of the Lord comes in various forms. Each time, Scripture is used to hurt people by implying the complete understanding of the heart of God, the Lord's name is used in vain. And this happens on individual levels and also at community and national levels. Politicians and leaders use the names, Lord's name to defend their policies every day. And we all must be careful not to attach God's name to our agenda. We must beware of projecting that God is on our side, whether it be as an individual or as a country, and whether in politics or in race relations or in any other arena. We must be careful of our language. So as Eugenia Gamble writes in our summer series book, Words of Love, when we claim that God is always and completely on our side, theologically and ideologically, as not only, we not only misuse the name, but put ourselves in a position where we cannot learn from each other's perspectives or have our own limitations of understanding challenged. When we claim that God is on the side of our political opinions and therefore is not on the side of those who espouse a different view, we are on dangerous ground and perpetuate a dualism that is unknown to God and keeps us stuck and entrenched. 
So I have to admit that I have struggled with this commandment and with this sermon. I have felt judgmental when reflecting on the misuses of God's name that I see in our society. And yet, I still prefer to think of all the ways others misuse the name of God rather than acknowledge how I misuse it every day, maybe in everyday responses, through trivial comments, or or by unintentional misrepresentation of God myself. And as a person who imperfectly strives to embrace humility, I must acknowledge that I see the world through my own unique lens as a white, privileged, educated, yes, middle-aged Christian woman who grew up in the South. I bring that to everything that I see and everything I think. So I recognize that others may feel I misuse the Lord's name in things that I do or say. But as a follower of Christ, I'm also called to speak the truth in love. And this means sharing my incomplete understanding of God's love and God's desire for us while also acknowledging with awe and wonder the vast mystery of God. And I try really hard to not portray my understanding of something as God's understanding. But I am quite certain of one thing, that God is God and I am not. I am not and neither are you. But as followers of Christ, we are all called to respond to God's grace by participating in God's work in the world while embracing the mystery of God. And part of participating in God's work and loving God is using the name of the Lord to lift up and not tear down. If this commandment was offered in the positive, it might be something like, you shall use the name of the Lord your God to lift God in prayer and praise. The name of God is to be lifted and not trivialized. And when we casually use the name of God, it isn't lifting God's name, but instead trivializing it. And when we tell someone that they aren't loved by God because of a scripture used out of context, it isn't lifting God's name, but instead misusing it. And when we use God's name to shame and hurt others by making them feel like they are less than or not enough, it is making wrongful use. And using platitudes is another way we misuse the Lord's name. If this word isn't familiar to you, platitudes are common phrases or cliches that people use trying to make others feel better. But unfortunately, many platitudes invoke the name of God and can unknowingly be harmful. These phrases such as, God never gives you more than you can handle, or it was God's will, or God must have needed another angel in heaven. As Gamble says, these types of statements set God up as the enemy who caused the pain, which is a vast misrepresentation of God's name. Phrases like these can, you, can cause people to turn away from God because they portray God as causing bad things to happen. And this third commandment teaches us how we use God's name 
really does matter. And in addition to the misuse of God's name affecting our relationships with others through platitudes offered or other comments, it also affects our relationship with God. Using the name of God in a worshipful, loving, and prayerful way draws us closer to God, while trivializing or misusing God's name creates distance in our relationship. The more we use God's name in positive ways to lift rather than to tear down, the closer we feel to God. The name of the Lord was so revered by Israelites that they, and many even today, will not speak the name of God, Yahweh. As one rabbi explained, God's name is not pronounceable, but only breathable. Yah on the captured in-breath and way on the offered out-breath. And I love this thought of God's name in our breath. Many of you have heard me pray for you to feel as close at God as close as your next breath. But this takes it even closer. God in your next breath. So if God is breathable, then there is nowhere we can be outside of God's presence. This makes breath a universal connector as we aren't taught to breathe. It is a miracle from God that we are born knowing how, and there is only one way to breathe. There isn't a Christian or Islamic way of breathing. There isn't an American or Ukrainian or Republican or Democrat or gay or straight or male or female way. We all simply breathe. And if the name of God is the sound of our breath, then the first word on our lips at our birth is the name of God. And the last thing on our lips before our death is the name of God. God ushers us into the world and offers our benediction as we leave. Our response to God's grace is to make good use of the Lord's name in the days in between. May all we do in God's name be language that lifts both God and one another as we live into the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and the second, which is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. May it be so. Amen.